0: Welcome to the Cynical Podcast, a weekly discussion of current affairs in China, produced in partnership with SupChina. SupChina is the best way to stay on top of all the latest news from China in just a few minutes a day through our email newsletter, our smartphone app, or at the website supchina.com. SubChina features original, independent, and uncensored reporting from and about China, covering everything from media policy to the Me Too movement, and from the Belt and Road Initiative to the ongoing repression of Uyghurs and other Muslim people in Xinjiang, we're sure you'll agree that it's a feast of business, political, and cultural news about a nation that is reshaping the world. I am Kaiser Guo. Today, it is a special edition of the Seneca podcast. I am at the Association for Asian Studies conference in Denver, Colorado, and uh, just downstairs in the lobby, I ran into my friend Nuri Terkel. And I thought I'd drag him up to my impromptu studio up here in my room and talk to him about what is the latest right. Now, you remember Nuri, who is the head of the uh, Uyghur Human Rights Project. He's the the founder and director of the Uyghur Human Rights Project and has been active in the the Uyghur dissident community for a very, very long time. He's a Washington, D.C.-based lawyer. Nuri, I understand you had a panel today. Maybe we could start off just by talking about uh, what the state of, of American understanding is right now about the plight of the Uyghur people in Xinjiang right now?
1: Since our last conversation, I can report that there's are growing interest uh, among American elites, uh, particularly in the policy uh, circle, academia, uh, in addition to media reporting uh, that, has still on, that is still ongoing. So there's a momentum. Uh, that momentum has not been translated into a real policy action yet. The administration is still considering Some sanction under the Magnitsky Global Magnitsky uh, Act, and the U.S. Congress is considering uh, at least two
0: bills uh, currently. Let's talk about these options right now that are before us. So the Global Magnitsky Act would only sanction individuals. Think presumably would be people like Chen who. I don't even know if they have assets that would be affected by uh, American banking uh, And I don't know that they you know, care very much to travel to the United States. So I wonder whether that is even enough, something like Global Magnitsky, uh, that would target so narrowly. Uh, what are the co- two congressional bills uh, right now, and what would, they, what would they do?
1: There are two uh, bills, the draft bills, being introduced um, in the last Congress and reintroduced in this Congress. The first one is Uyghur Human Rights Policy Act. Co-sponsored by Senator um, Senators Bob Menendez and Marco Rubio in mm-hmm. the Senate for the Senate version, and then uh, for the House version, it was introduced by Christopher Smith of New Jersey and uh, Tom Suozzi of New York. Uh, bipartisan support, both of them, but uh, bipartisan bill. The Senate version has over twenty, I think twenty-four last time I count, uh, sponsors, and the House version has about forty. Uh, including uh, speaker, speaker Nancy Pelosi. Right. And then the, the second uh, draft bill was introduced by Brad Sherman of California mm-hmm. and uh, uh, Ted Yoho of Florida. Uh, it has about uh, a dozen supporters. Eventually, uh, I believe these two bills uh, might be merged because there's some overlap.
0: Uh, What's the difference between them and the, where they're currently drafted?
1: The Sherman-Yoho bill is uh, focusing on the U.S. businesses. Okay. The, uh, so
0: this would be targeting, for example, companies that are selling surveillance gear yes. th- that we know is being used by the Ministry of Public Security or other it law Assisting the Chinese
1: government to uh, improve or establish uh, their security apparatus.
0: Okay. So that's the Sherman and Yoho
1: bill. bill. And then the, uh, the Rubio and Smith bill. Mm-hmm. Um, Folk, it, it's much broad. It has reporting requirements for both uh, law enforcement and administration. And also uh, one of the significant things uh, in that bill is to establish a special coordinator for um, the Uyghurs at the State Department. Um, and it will it will also, um, uh, as a specific provisions, uh, that is meant to protect the Uyghur-American communities from uh, Chinese government's um, uh, harassment, uh, retaliation against activists. So it's much more broad bill. Uh, has, um, it was introduced 115th Congress uh, with the hope that it will go through, but for some unknown reason it didn't happen. So uh, it's been actively considered. Uh, we were told that there's a chance that that bill uh, will be finalized through various steps in the Congress uh, sometime this summer.
0: That's all encouraging. I guess one of the criticisms, though, that I hear is that the plight of the Uyghurs is being used instrumentally by people who are interested in anything with which they can beat China. Uh, because if even if Uyghurs were not being interned in hundreds of thousands of num- uh, in, in the concentration camps in Xinjiang right now, uh, there are... A whole bunch of other issues right now that bedevil relations between China and the United States. This one seems to be one that they they know uh, will really activate people who are concerned with human rights, rightly because this is an atrocity. Uh, but there's a sense that that some of the authors, I mean, people like Chris Smith, uh, they are not interested in the plight of the weavers per se. They're more interested in anything that they can be, use instrumentally to attack China. The other the other criticism is that. Uh, let's look at, at, at Xi Jinping today. We were just talking earlier. He's in this full honey badger mode right now. He doesn't care, uh, what we do. He, he, you know, something like Global Magnitsky would just roll off his back like water off a duck's back. And he, he's, he's, he's got a really thick hide right now. I'm curious, what are other options that we should be exploring to change the realities on the ground right now? For example, why isn't the United States able to use one of the countries with which it is close to in the Islamic world to back-channel conversations or, or, or around this? I'm not hearing any talk of this and not seeing any of this happen. What, what, are you aware of anything like that?
1: Um, a few thoughts on that uh, uh, important question. First of all, I, I don't think that the Uyghur crisis should be politicized. This issue is non political This is a matter of conscience. Uh, we're talking about a mass internment of an ethnic minority in the 21st century. Yes. Uh, it's not a political issue. This is not a, a party politics. It should not be utilized for domestic or international consumption. End of the story. So, And also, it may also uh, harden China's government's position if you make it t- too much of a uh, uh, China-bashing tool. So uh, the people who are speaking on behalf of the Uyghurs, uh, either, uh, official statements, publications, and reporting, got to be a little bit more careful on how it's being portrayed. I think they should focus on the humanitarian aspect of the uh, crisis. Number one. Number two, uh, the, one of the reasons that the uh, international community uh, has not been able to change the Chinese behavior is because the boat is too small. Mm. Uh, Speaking against the Chinese government's behavior, it must be international. It has to be in order to maximize the pressure and minimize the retaliation against a specific country uh, or any political leader. This has to be an international uh, coalition effort. In the end, we want two things. One, we want the camps to be shut down. It's an embarrassment to the Chinese people even in the history. Yes. Uh, it needs to be shut down. And two, we want to be able to restore Uyghurs, um, uh, dignity basic and economy, dignity. Right. Yeah. Give their respect and uh, g- give them uh, the dignity and respect. Uh, back, so those are the things are uh, uh, pressing, and this does not require political uh, position or uh, political debate. We've seen in the history how it ends when a government locks up someone based on their religion, ethnicity. We've seen this movie before. We have seen it. So I, so anyone who is uh, concerned about this, uh, need to focus on uh, the humanitarian aspect and international coalition, everybody should speak in one voice. Expressing concern is a wonderful thing. We've been hearing people expressing concerns, but taking a bold uh, action with the uh, true, uh, decent leadership is another. Yes. That is what is not being shown yet. Like the old saying goes, uh, in order to prevent or handle the shark attack, we need a bigger boat. Uh, and also, thirdly, uh, the, the, uh, the Chinese government must see some damage what cost for what they're doing uh, right. domestically, internationally. At the end of the day... And not just reputational damage, but yeah, you mean
0: economic pain you need.
1: Yes, uh, and, and this brings us to the next point, because President Xi Jinping and his supporters are making a mistake in in two things. One, through the Uyghur issue, Xi Jinping's China has been seeing what it's for. It, it's not good for the future of the Chinese government and Chinese society or Chinese people, per se. They have to uh, and they have to take into consideration how it's being judged in the history that's right, and then two um, if this trend continues, why this has to be a national effort, the other countries may follow the same method to squelch domestic political resentment It's not good for the civilization right uh, and then third if if the the world allows uh, Xi Jinping's China to continue to use technology. To suppress its own people, this technology means to suppress advanced political oppression. Other countries and other dictatorial regime will become a new norm, and we have to ask ourselves: Is this okay in a 21st century? Is this the type of society that we have to live in?
0: And I think we all know the answer to that: It is absolutely not acceptable. So we're not seeing it not only spread to other authoritarian states, but spreading outside. Of Xinjiang into other parts of yeah. China too. Right. It's
1: it's it's bad. You know, it's bad domestically and globally. Um, uh, it, it, you know, as it, I don't think that anyone disputes or disagrees that uh, China should have a rightful place in its uh in international stage or international arena. But with this kind of mindset that the Chinese leaders have shown, this will this will create a problem in their relationship with the world eventually. So and then. Uh, um, we talked. We briefly touched about the cost. The uh, American corporations uh, are still doing business in China. Foreign Policy magazine listed uh, over 500 Fortune 500 companies. Uh, they are still doing business. So these company have companies have to speak out, and and the business community speaks out will bring a, a positive change in this uh, in this crisis. In my belief, right. um, and and we, we talked about the cost. When you look at the, the Chinese government's response, uh, since the issue been reported, crisis being reported last, since last summer extensively, they've been trying to change the uh, narrative. They've been trying to restructure the headline, but they have not been very successful. The only thing that we have seen in the Chinese government's reaction is to make them acknowledge the existence of these camps, uh, that they euphemistically call re-education.
0: Right, or now they're even calling them uh, boarding schools. Boarding schools. It's just, yeah, yeah that's it's...
1: right. Boarding schools have to be teach like the school, manage like a military, protect like a prison. This is Chenchenko's statement. Right. Is that how you manage a boarding <laughs>
0: <laughs> Maybe the one that I plan to send my child to. <laughs> no, no, I think that there are, there's criticism that is in good faith and there's criticism that uh, is clearly sort of part of uh, uh that that this is this is from the chinese perspective i think that they know the difference so as if you have you say as you say the business community speaks out they are not it's it's beijing does not believe them to have you know only sort of a, a china bashing agenda in mind i think they they their criticisms would be taken on board more seriously than criticisms by certain american politicians and I think that's important to, 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 to distinguish because there are more and less effective criticisms of this. I think that people who, who speak out against the atrocity that's going on right now and do it from a position of uh, wanting what is, you know, genuinely wanting what is in China's long term best interest. And, you know, I sincerely believe, as you, you say, this is bad for China, this is bad for the world. I think it, can be, it could possibly be taken on board more seriously by Beijing.
1: And then U.S. companies like uh, the global uh, multinational corporations have to ask themselves a good question. Are we going to end up being a uh, thermo fisher? Uh, eventually, you know, become a, a, a talking points or the headline in the major newspapers and forced to give up the practice. You can still have a practice, business practice, but it has to be healthy. You have to use, use your influence. Recently, uh, some members of Congress complained about uh, American uh, corporate executives lobbying on behalf of the Chinese government. That that same type of techniques should be used in Zhongnanhai as well.
0: That's right. I mean, I think they are. I mean, and the, the part of the problem is I mean, there are there's there are fewer and fewer people uh, who Beijing will actually listen to. Uh, there are very you know fewer and fewer of the people who uh, can get meetings in Zhongnanhai. And those people will not necessarily be the ones who are going to most effectively raise this issue. So we're in a difficult situation. Let me ask you a question, Nuri. Have you uh, in your organization been in contact with any of the Democratic candidates? And uh, have you uh, managed to get some of the, the, the candidates to, to include discussion of this in their talking points when they talk about American foreign policy?
1: Um, Senators uh, Warren? And Gillibrand uh, signed on the Rubio Menendez bill. Mm -hmm. Very good. Yeah, that we we have seen uh, some interest in uh, certain candidates' uh, foreign policy team, particularly uh, Senator Warren's team, reportedly very interested, uh, trying to work on a policy paper. But directly answering your question, uh, no one has contacted the Uyghur organizations or Uyghur experts, uh, to see how the Uyghur crisis should be included in the uh, campaign
0: foreign policy platform. But is it part of your your strategy to reach out proactively Ye- to those campaigns now? Yes,
1: we have. Uh, actually, we've been doing a few things at uh, the same time. We are uh, working through the uh, policy circle, uh, trying to uh, encourage policy experts to make objective policy recommendations to the Various governments. I don't think that anyone was prepared to see this level of uh, or, or anything in this scope and scale uh, in the modern era. So I don't think that anyone has a clear answer. Right. That's one. So we've been encouraging uh, policy um, experts at acad- in academia or a think tank level to to come up with something workable to solve resolve the issue and at the same time uh, we are working with the congress encouraging the members of congress to recruit more supporters at the same time we're using people to call their members to uh, sign on uh, that's on the legislative and also on the administrative side we've been working with the um, various uh, senior government officials regularly updating them uh, with the development at the same time asking them to take action um, because it's long overdue uh it's almost a year since we've been talking about this something has to be done but i do know that something in the process of building up uh it could be any time but uh it shouldn't take a year to no, it shouldn't. Yeah. uh in,
0: in that year where this has been a a constant point of, of, of discussion certainly within the china watching community uh it's been very frustrating to see that levels of internment seem to have only increased. Yes. I'm hearing anecdotally that even in uh, parts of, outside of Nanjing, I mean, in, in in even in Urumqi, yeah. we're seeing uh, higher levels of people who are disappearing. The, 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 the sit, the, the uh, this includes U.S. Enter-
1: permanent residents. I'm sorry? This includes U.S. permanent residents.
0: Right, there are now U.S. permanent residents who have yeah. been interned. Uh, yes,
1: and and give you a quick uh, a, um, yeah, uh, statistics. Uh, there's no end in sight. That anything that internationally been done is at least changing the thinking of the Chinese government. Other than they just being uh, very uh, uh, active in their propaganda campaign. Uh, specific, specifically, they keep building camps. Last November. Uh, Australian based think tank surveyed uh, 28 uh, facilities that they were able to identify through satellite imagery. The expansion rate in less than two years was 465%. Wow. And then. Uh, and
0: even in recent months, we yeah, still continue to see the, the increased building.
1: Reuters yeah. uh, did their own survey uh, of 80 some facilities. Of those 80, 86, uh, they surveyed, focused on 36 of them. Uh, the expansion, uh, the area of expansion is equal of 140 soccer fields, and BBC uh, late last year uh, did another reporting. Uh, it shows that the authorities are building the largest prison camp in the world just outside of Ruhmchi. Oh so, so this is this is still happening in real time.
0: What about numbers? Do we have? I know Adrian Zenz has revised his his estimates, and now puts the number at well over a million, at maybe 1.5 million. Is that correct?
1: Scott Busby, uh, a senior State Department official, testified in U.S. Congress last, late last year, said that based on the uh, estimate, uh, the, numbers, the number is 800,000 to 2 million. This is the State Department of So,
0: long, well, there's a big range, but what, what is your best estimate?
1: I think I think it's hard to ascertain the exact number, but I would go with Adrian Zen's uh, recent uh, 1.1 1. Uh, one, because he, he's looking at the construction bids and the people in a certain pocket of uh, neighborhoods and areas. The percentage. Percentage. Been, uh, and then uh, using the government's uh, own data. Right. To come up with this, but but I I believe that U.S. government may have even much more reliable information.
0: That's very disturbing. Is there any indication to suggest that at least some of the more horribly coercive elements—you know, torture, uh, sleep deprivation, and things like that—that they've 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 dialed that down under international scrutiny, at least. Um,
1: A German-based Uyghur scholar recently released um, a picture of his father. Uh, screenshot. Uh, Because of his campaign, his father, uh, former uh, professor at Kashgar University, was at least released to his house. Uh, we've seen a couple of these uh, similar incidents. There's another Uyghur doctor, very active, uh, who started the Me Too Uyghur movement on social media, recently told the me- uh, press, uh, Western Press, that his parents have been also released uh, from the facilities. Let's
0: talk about the Me Too Uyghur movement and and, uh, and any additional efficacy we can squeeze out of this. What Tell me, uh, for those of you who aren't familiar with it, tell us, uh, how this campaign got started and uh, the extent of it so far.
1: In February, um, the um, death of a very famous Uyghur musician was reported. And Turkish government made a statement, a very powerful statement. Uh, if I can paraphrase, it, what's happening is, is, a, is, a, is a shameful events are taking place in modern era. And the Chinese government responded with a video of this gentleman. uh, proof of life video. Proof of life video.
0: Is that authentic? Uh,
1: People are very uh, suspicious or dubious about Mm -hmm. the timing, the the facial expression, even uh, his look, even the way that he is saying that I've been investigated, even though previously he was told to be sent to eight years uh, imprisonment. So after that, and some smart weakers, they said, how about my mom? How about my sister? How about my classmates? So they started this uh, short video. Chinese government, can you release my mother's video? Uh, so it become a, a build up. It become a me to Uyghur movement and social media. It's still ongoing. Yes. Before that, I mean, this is, this is one of the, again, the Chinese government made a huge mistake. Uh, initially they tried to prevent the Uyghur issues from becoming international or internationalized. They tried uh, different tactics, but now it's in a global issue. And, and they prevent, uh, tried to prevent this to be known as a concentration camp or internment camps. And now everybody's talking about it. And, and trying to really, with the release of that uh, proof of life uh, uh, video, uh, they're trying to accomplish different perspectives. And now it's becoming much more, it's, everything is like creating backlash.
0: Well, give them enough rope and they will hang themselves.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so this Me Too Uyghur movement is building up still. So, what is amazing about this is that a lot of Uyghurs uh, who were not comfortable sharing their stories are coming out. So the more people sh- show up and come out telling their stories, the uh, the more people know about it. Eventually, it will become some, uh, result in some uh, tangible action.
0: Ancient Chinese strategy says you always have to leave your enemy and escape. If you surround the city on four sides, he'll fight stubbornly to the death. You need to leave one gate unguarded and let them escape. Is there a way right now for us, uh, for people who are concerned about this issue, to push China and still give it a way to save face and back down uh, without sort of uh, an unacceptable level of humiliation on Beijing's part?
1: That's a great question. Um, That... uh that concern people, especially in the um, decision-making level in various governments, have been asking how do we be how how could we help ourselves and the Chinese government to get out of this mess? So one way I think uh, I think the Chinese government should at least need to stop building camps yes. and release those who have nothing to do with China's security concern. That would be a goodwill uh, that the Chinese can do in in the short term. In the long term, they should shut down the camps and and restore. Uyghur's cultural and political rights enshrined in the China's constitution and at least uh, in their uh, autonomy uh, laws. I mean, this is, a ba- this is not too much to ask. Any responsible government would, would find these to be a reasonable uh, uh, request. But the problem is, uh, whoever advised uh, Xi Jinping back in 2014 and 15, uh, people like Hu Lianghe, uh, who was in a very high level official at the uh, Tongzhenbu uh, United Front, mm-hmm. Given, uh, it, it led the Chinese into a very uh, dark uh, direction.
0: That's right. So, where the project uh, is nothing less than essentially eradication yeah, of many features of the Uyghur culture and religion.
1: Yeah, specifically said the materialistic satisfaction will not get us the uh, stability. We need to look into spirituality, meaning. Anything that is uh, uh, connected to ethno-national pride eventually will political th- become a political threat. Oh, forget about diversity. Diversity is not going to work. We have to create a, uh, uh, a one nation under the one language, one culture. So this is, you know, think about it. Um, some people may not like this, but uh, we know that some people believe that uh, homosexuals can be converted to heterosexuals. Right. It's a human nature. You know, how would you you be able to convert uh, an ethnic group been practicing that religion since 12th, 13th century, speaking that language, living uh, that uh, life, appreciating that way of life into something completely foreign? So us against them mentality is leading the current mindset. Uh, This will end up... I don't think the Chinese government will succeed in this.
0: You know, it would be horrifying to think that they could...
1: Are they going to be able to uh, get rid of all of them who has been in the camps? I don't think so. What about people who are broken? Even, even, you know, uh, one thing that the, what uh, listener, uh, your listener need to think about is that, uh, with the current, uh, uh the ongoing, um, oppression, mass detention, surveillance state, this exportation of uh, China's oppression to other countries actually hardening the Uyghurs.
0: That's right. It's radicalizing and hardening them. And, and how There's is no, Beijing not convinced of the, the truth of this?
1: No one, even the outsiders cannot rationalize it. Even the people who had a soft spot goodwill towards communist government now thinking like, wow, this is um, now right. So how would you? what do you expect from people who, who are part of that uh, uh, victimhood?
0: That's right. It's a horrifying idea. I mean, this the, the 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 hubris involved in in thinking that we're they're going to be able to, to coerce a transformation on that scale, and and a mass project of assimilation that that's just so so violent and coercive. It's just a, there's there's a word for this. It's called cultural genocide, right?
1: Yeah, I'm glad that you said it's that. ethnocide.
0: It's yeah. Right.
1: The um the Uyghur communities around the world is. Um, is going through a very tough time crippling anxiety uh, sense of uh, guilt hopelessness uh, chen cheng once said that um, in order to accomplish our goal which is maintain uh, uh, create and maintain stability we have to break the roots connection right. basically uh, the uyghurs feeling disconnected from their family members including myself um, just the simple things such as calling your parents to say, how are you, to checking up with them, to the basic things. like we. Just imagine that you hear your mother died in uh, concentration camps through Radio Free Asia. Right. Just imagine that you recognize your children in the Chinese government propaganda material as a happy uh, child. Just imagine uh. that you... You hear your parents telling you that they should have gone two, three years ago so that they will not have to deal with this horrible situation and leave the world with a bad taste. Just imagine that you managed to go to uh, your homeland and you were not able to see your sister because your uh, iris uh, was not scanned. Uh, or not scanned or part of the government data. Just imagine that you walk out and try to go to your parents' cemetery and the Chinese government prevents you from going there because it's too religion. Just imagine that your name is Mohammed and then this person with the name Mohammed from Saudi Arabia, Palloran, uh, uh, gets very cozy with Xi Jinping and phrases him for banning his name in China. So this is the crazy world that we live in.
0: My oh God. This is, who Who are you referring to? Mohammad bin
1: Salman, the Saudi press. MBS, right? Yeah, no, no, no. MBS, and he he should have asked Xi Jinping, Mr. President, what is wrong with my name? Do you like my beard?
0: Right, and w- this is this raises the obvious question of, so Erdogan in in February made some strong statements, but so far in the rest of the Islamic world, all we've seen is the uh, Malaysian Prime Minister in waiting, uh, who. Uh, is somebody who has suffered, you know, political imprisonment himself, and 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 knows very well, has spoken out on this, but you're, we're still hearing so very little in the rest of the Islamic world. We had talked about this last time that you were on the show, but uh, do you have any new thinking about what it will take to move the Islamic world? Uh, I think the Chinese more- government has been very effective.
1: We, I mean, this is this is not uh, this is not uh, something new to. Um, A China-related conversation these days, uh, people using 3C, coercive, corrupt, corrosive uh, Chinese campaign, influence campaign around the world, and which has been very effective in the uh, developing countries and Muslim countries for a couple of reasons. One, uh, so those countries um, believe that uh, China is out there to help them to build uh, schools and hospitals and roads. Whereas so-called Western imperialists, imperialists, the United States, for one, bombing their cities and, and their country. So there's a, there's a, uh, a kind of uh, a false premise being promoted and, and being understood by various Muslim communities, and it's working for the Chinese government's benefit, for better or worse. And then two, um, uh, Chinese government somewhat uh, convinced its Muslim allies. Uh, Secretary Pompeo said last week that China has its own league when it comes to human rights violations. So they, they managed to make these countries to believe that this current crisis was in the making of the United States or West. This, this sentiment is widely being. Well, rec- it,
0: it doesn't help when our president pursues a ban on Muslims or, I mean, it, it certainly doesn't, it, 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 it does it plays not help. right into Beijing's hand. It
1: does not help. And then they, the, uh, uh, let's face it let's be frank about this uh, uh, we have a problem with Islamophobia all around the absolutely. world absolutely and, uh, and 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 this this killer in New Zealand uh, was apparently uh, admiring uh, China's Treatment of its Muslim
0: people. It didn't. He didn't say that specifically, but he said that. Yeah, I, I he, actually. Took he the agreed time to read with that.
1: the lack of diversity. Yeah,
0: he, he, he praised China as a basically an ethnostate. This is a regular talking point in in all these quote unquote alt right people. They 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 look at these countries of East Asia like Korea or Japan or the PRC, and they. So
1: the Chinese government yeah. one is uh, buying out the silence from the Muslim countries. Mm-hmm. Continue to. Um, uh, it is a disgrace that the uh, uh, organization of Islamic Conference just several days ago come out and and phrase the chinese government this is um, this is this is more than just a, just um, a disgraceful uh, things that they've done and then the two that are, that the uh, the Chinese government has been very effective in doing is that uh this is not true this is the making by the West to undermine. China rise.
0: Does anyone sincerely fail to, to believe the evidence of their eyes, though? I mean, look, this is fairly... I, mean, I don't know how you could have it more well-documented right now. We've seen now, we've seen footage from inside camps. We've seen so much satellite imagery. We've seen we've seen on the ground, in, in in the the cities and, and towns of, of Xinjiang, empty neighborhoods. Where do they imagine these people have gone? I mean, how... how like, I mean, oh, what, oh, are they buying this boarding school idea? I think they, th-
1: these handpicked or selected uh, places that these delegations visited uh, led them to believe that uh, the Western press has been circulating fake news. Even
0: where they, they've they allowed the Western press to go, though, we, we are treated to these these grotesque tableaus of, for example, they saw the Uyghur people singing in English, if you're happy and you know what, clap your hands. I mean, how... First of all, how utterly tone deaf. I mean, if your goal is to convince people that that, that be, these people are not being mistreated and brainwashed, that's the last thing you would do.
1: I know. And it also um, uh, shows how desperate the yeah. Chinese government yeah. has been trying yeah. to restructure the headline or the narrative. Um, I don't think that they have been successful. This issue no. came up today uh, during the uh, uh, panel discussion. They have not been uh, successful. I think that the Chinese government, the propaganda organizations within the government, underestimating the reasonableness, uh, intelligence of the people in the free societies. I don't think that anyone with a fair mind would believe in that uh, uh, manufactured images that they've been showing around the world.
0: Uh, I, how, so... If you were to talk to somebody like me, somebody who I think has a reputation for being fair when it comes to t- reporting on China and talking about China, how do I, somebody like me who I think still has some credibility among the maybe more nationalistic or more, more sort of pro PRC crowd, how, how do I convince them? How do I bring them around to this position?
1: Um, the, one way to change their views is that um they need to stop worrying about what the chinese government think of them you know recently you've done a show about self-censorship uh speaking truth is very imp- it's empowering and i think that you will gain respect from your chinese counterpart being truthful so if you're tiptoeing around and just ignoring the obvious and pre- uh, pretend that you did not know something so obvious happening does not get you the type of respect that you're uh, expecting from the Chinese. And also, um, you need to, um, the people need to understand, in the past, you know, those who kind of blaming the Uyghurs as troublemakers now need to see, look, the Chinese government is pretty, uh, pretty uh, successful, especially during the period of 2009 through 2015. Uh, There was a very active social engineering taking place they created this generational gap for particularly the uh, individuals who were born in 2000 and upward I've already been very sinified so this unnecessary, um, out of proportion uh, uh, measures and, and and construction of constr- uh, the modern day uh, concentration camps will eventually will backfire. They will create backlash. So so the seeing the Chinese government's policies uh, through the lenses of the Uyghurs will help you to understand uh, what this government is up up against when it comes to minority rights. So you know the diversity society, diverse society is a healthy society. It should be. fearful about it. So this kind of basic um, um, understanding uh, could help them to change position. I I am a member of a listserv. Uh, There are a lot of China uh, scholars, experts, and journalists. I hardly see any discussion about the Uyghurs, even on the faces of this crisis that is taking place in the last two years. I'm a member
0: of that same listserv and I I agree with you. that,
1: That shows how timid uh, even people who are well-versed about the issue has been, you know, uh, privately you can say, oh, I, the Chinese are doing horrible things to the Uyghurs, but that should be public. Uh, just to, uh, privately uh, talking about you expressing a displeasure is fundamentally different than publicly speaking out or encouraging those who can make a decision to take a bold action.
0: My own organization, SubChina, and uh, and the Sinica podcast, we have been trying. We talk about it. Uh, we have a column by Darren Beiler that runs uh, regularly about the situation in Xinjiang. Uh, what more can we be doing right now?
1: Um, I think you should invite uh, more uh, China experts or Xinjiang expert, the Uyghur expert, to uh, continue this public education. Uh, one of the reasons that uh, we have not seen a governmental societal uh, reaction. The way that uh, a reasonable uh, people would expect is because the Uyghur issue is still uh, relatively unknown. Uh, I'm personally very grateful that you mentioned the Uyghur crisis in every opening of your podcast, and very uh, early, uh, early on uh, last summer, uh, one of your colleagues uh, did a, a nice summary, a timeline of the events unfolding. Uh, it was very educational, and I'm 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 profoundly uh, thankful. That you invited this expert by uh, Darren Bider to uh, uh, publish a monthly column. Uh, I think the way that you um, uh, educating your listeners or informing your listeners in an objective way uh, has been very useful. I heard people talk about the things being discussed on your show by uh, experts like Jim Millward uh, and others. Uh, I think that you should, you should c- continue to do that. Uh, public education is very important because uh, at the end of the day, uh, I, I believe that the Chinese people uh, will need to speak up and take an ownership of this problem. Absolutely. Uh, uh, with your um, uh, reach to uh, China experts, Chinese speaking listeners, eventually will make them to take a position in the same way that some of the white people Stood up for the, uh, precisely, preci- for the protection of the oppressed, like the African Americans in
0: the United States. And that's what I'd like to see. And I, I, maybe we can end this segment by talking about how can we reach out to, to sympathetic Han Chinese people in the PRC, people who, who, who can really make a difference. I mean, I, I feel like we have to be careful because there is always the danger of just galvanizing them of, of, you know, when, when, when they are Being browbeaten, sometimes they, they really, their hackles go up, they become very defensive, and they're not amenable to persuasion. This is true of all people. There's, it's, it's a hard thing to do, but it is so utterly necessary to convince ordinary Chinese people that what their government is doing in Xinjiang is flat out wrong. How do we reach them?
1: I think, um, you know, the two things, um, that has been preventing from that kind of uh, uh, desirable uh, reaction uh, from the Chinese community. One is uh, the anxiety that the Chinese government created and using as a tool. Uh, So the...
0: Censorship and this sort of thing. Yes,
1: and then also the same type of uh, tools being used outside of China as well. Uh, In addition to that, the Chinese government has been very effective in uh, a public opinion campaign. Uh, uh, psychological campaign To make the Ordinary Han Chinese Even the fair-minded Han Chinese To believe that There's a genuine Uyghur threat mm-hmm. At least recognizing That what the Chinese government Has been doing in the 21st century Criminalizing the entire population Collectively uh, Is not good for the Chinese civilization You know, it sounds like a pep talk But we still talk about Holocaust today you know why people are, are uh, in the, the generation who lives in the uh, post-Second World War uh, era still have to be held accountable for something done by a similar people who have no connection to whatsoever. I mean, the Chinese, people, and, and also one other thing that people should also think about is that this is not going to stay in uh, Uyghur's homeland. The Uyghurs' life and their homeland had been used as a laboratory for surveillance, uh uh, 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 total surveillance, uh, by the Chinese government. This will be the life for the Tibetan people, I'm afraid. This will be the life for the, uh, Chinese people living on, on the other side of the, uh, the, the area. Uh, eventually this is working. The governments, if something is working, they're not going to change behavior. They will continue to test it out. Eventually, the, this boils down to one issue. The concentration camps in um, in Uyghur's homeland is just a symptom of the larger problem. boils down to a, a CCP's insecurity, uh, Xi Jinping's survival, a struggle for survival as a sole leader, a leader without the term limit. So this issue is much bigger issue, non-political. People should not treat this as a political issue, should not treat it as a separatism issue, should not treat it as a, a, a security issue. This will eventually will affect their lives. This is a matter of conscience, even for the Chinese people who are living relatively free in
0: other parts of China. That's absolutely right. After 1989, after Tiananmen, uh, the United States granted a, a broad Basically, a green card, a permanent residence, to any Chinese people who were living in the United States and saw it. Uh, do you think that we should do something like that for Uyghurs as well?
1: Speaking out was uh, speaking out or taking actions against China is not an easy thing. We all we were clear about it. Yes. You know, it's it's we it it does not require my thinking. It's it's very uh, for the for the United States very important relationship. Uh, So what they can do in the meantime to do something humanitarian, for example, uh, the United States Congress or uh, president through either executive uh, order or legislation, to grant asylum for Uyghur um, uh, mm-hmm. students or mm-hmm. asylum seekers in the United States. Just recently, Swedish government uh, offered a blanket refugee status for the Uyghurs. That is that is supposedly were a relatively easy thing to do. And it's not going to upset the Chinese government is the way that they are uh, alerted or alarmed the Chinese authorities with the uh, global Magnitsky consideration.
0: But it will provide a, a, a significant protection for people who wish to speak out, but who might not otherwise dare to because of fear of you know, having eventually to return?
1: Yes, the the danger facing them is present and real. One, their passport. Most of, most of those students who have uh, lived in the United States uh, in the last uh, several years uh, could not uh, renew their passports. Chinese right. government is saying, we can only give you a travel document, allow you to return, Uh, When they return we have several uh, Uyghur students return end up being in the camps. So they don't want that at the same time There is no money transaction between their parents who have been supporting these students in the United States Uh, So inability to pay tuition and support their uh, life and they cannot work without immigration status in America So there's there's some uh, serious issues involving the Uyghur students and asylum seekers in the United States. That's one thing they can do. And also at the same time, uh, State Department should establish a scholarship, uh, to Uyghur students. If, if refugee status is too, too big of a deal, too complicated process, uh, in light of, uh, anti-immigrant sentiment being expressed by some of this uh, Trump administration officials, uh, scholarship is is one way to do it um, in a short it's term.
0: Short term, not a permanent fix, but yeah. Well, thank you, Nuri. I mean, this has been uh, it's great. I think we need to have more of this, and uh, let's let's bring you back on uh, soon and, and and get another update because this is uh, really one of the crises of conscience of our time, and we all need to be very attentive to it.
1: Thank you very much for your continued interest and support. Oh,
0: well, thank you. The Seneca Podcast is powered by SubChina and is produced by Kaiser Gua and Jeremy Goldcorn, with editing help by Jason McRonald. Drop us an email at Seneca at subchina.com. Follow us on Twitter or on Facebook at, at SubChina News and make sure to check out our other podcasts like the Caixin Seneca Business Brief, the Pan Daily Tech Buzz China, New Voices, China Econ Talk, Top Ta for Talk, and the brand new Middle Earth Podcast.